You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning again. Let me welcome those of you listening by podcast. And for you all, I want to invite you to go to the Riverside app and look in the live event notes there. You'll find notes there if you'd like to follow along. And if you want to use a Bible to uh, keep uh, some notes in today, if you'd like a paper Bible, there should be some in the chairs below you there. And you can always turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John is where we're going to start today. We're going to kind of be all over the place. The notes in your app, though, will help you to follow along as well what we put on the screen for the first inaugural message of step forward. And what a better place to start than to step forward with Jesus. Now, I want to just address those of you who are maybe not yet followers of Jesus. And you're saying, you know, I'm exploring faith or I'm investigating faith in Christ. I've kind of maybe seen some changes in a family member or a friend who says they're now a Christian, but I'm not fully sure for myself. I'm so honored that you're here today. And I want to invite you to keep coming back. And I want to invite you to continue to ask questions and to explore this Jesus that we say that we follow. We do it imperfectly, but we follow one who is perfect. And we want to help you today. In fact, you may have said, you know what, I'm not really yet a Christian because I have seen a bunch of Christians who really, quite frankly, aren't in step with the Spirit. We're going to help, hopefully, get better at that as we live in step with the Spirit, as we look to Jesus. And what a place to start other than with Jesus as we consider stepping forward. If you're a guest or you've been away for a while, let me remind you what our theme was just last weekend that we concluded. Anybody remember? Help me out. We said it for a year. Please help me. Bold faith. Come on, say it with some conviction. Bold faith. And so as we looked at bold faith for the last year, we were considering what it means to follow Jesus with a bold faith. And once we have that bold faith, that spirit of God lives inside of us, how then are we supposed to live? And the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia in the first century these words, since we live by the spirit, let us, help me out, keep in step with the Spirit. So we want to look at every week, every month over this next year, and you say, man, are we really going to be able to do that? Absolutely, because there is so much to unpack about living life in the Spirit. And how do we do that? And so we're going to answer the question today. I want to work through this whole idea of keeping in step with the Spirit and asking the question, how did Jesus step forward in relationship with the Father? How did he do it in step with the Spirit. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about being keeping in step with something. Anybody come to mind like a, a band instructor, a band uh, drill sergeant, any of those kinds of things, you know, where you're trying to keep in step and one person gets out of step and it, it gets everything messed up and everybody gets off sync. And that may have been your experience with followers of Jesus, somebody who's tripping up, somebody who's not got it together in step with God's Spirit. And, uh, we don't claim that we've got it perfect around here, for sure. We're broken people. We're in need of God's Spirit to live this out and to do this. And so as we walk through this, though, Jesus is going to give us the clues to try to help us to see how he lived in step with the Spirit, how he kept moving forward in relationship with his Heavenly Father, which should then help us as we live and allow Jesus to live in us 
and through us. And in order to do what Jesus did, in order to continually step forward with his heavenly father, in order for us to do that, we need to enter that place where Jesus related to God as a heavenly father. The relationship that he had to God is the same relationship that you and I can have with God. It's actually possible because Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, lives in us and through us. And so I wanna walk through a few things that perhaps you've never even noticed before. Simple things, but unbelievably profound things if we can get a hold of this. And I wanna begin in John chapter five. It's one of the four accounts of the life of Christ that you'll find in your New Testament. In John chapter five, Jesus has been doing some miracles and people are kind of asking him, who are you and what are you all about? And here's what he has to say to begin to help us to see how he kept in step with the Spirit. And it gives us clues for our lives, how we keep in step with the Spirit. Jesus said in verse 19, I tell you the truth, the Son, he's speaking of himself, can do, what's that? Nothing. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus, I thought you were God. Yep, I am. But I am 100% completely, even as God, dependent upon my heavenly Father. He says, I can do nothing by himself, he can do only what he sees. It's a very key, key concept for today. He sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. The thought here is that every action in Jesus' life was informed by his ability to see, understand, to know, and be affected by what the father was doing. So God is in doing something in human history. And Jesus is saying, I'm living a life that reflects what God is doing and what his action is in this world. My life reflects that because I can't do anything, Jesus says, on my own. I'm 100% tethered to my heavenly father. He only sees what the father is seeing and he only says, well, we're gonna see in just a few moments what the father is telling him to say. He goes on to say in verse 20, yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Jesus says, if you think my relationship to my father is kind of unexplainable now, wait and see what's coming because I see what my father is doing. And so I live my life in alignment with my heavenly father and what he's doing in this world. He goes on in verse 21, he says, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life. He gives life to you and to me. He gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Now he's not saying that God is up there in heaven dangling strings and that he's the puppet. Quite the contrary. What he's saying is that they're so close in relationship that they are one. What the Father says, Jesus does. What Jesus sees in front of him is what the Father is doing, and so he does what he sees his Father doing because they had that close of a relationship. They're so intimate, and their love for one another is that deep. For those of you who didn't have a great relationship with dad or maybe a great relationship with parents in general, this can be hard, but Jesus truly wants us to have a breakthrough. And that may be your breakthrough today. It may be your breakthrough throughout this year that you could get past the wounds of parents 
or the people who you were close to as you were growing up who gave you perhaps terrible examples of who God is and what he wanted for your life as a young person. But in this season, in this day, you could begin to step forward beyond that hurt, beyond that pain, and relate to God as a heavenly father because that's what Jesus did and that's what he desperately wants for you and for me. He goes on in verse 20 and he says, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So what it looks like to step forward with Jesus simply is to be able to see what the father is doing and be affected by it and act in response to the activity of God. Simple enough, right? If that weren't elusive enough, Jesus makes it more difficult. Take a look at this, verse, uh, John chapter 12. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world. If you got the impression that Jesus came the first time to judge the world, that's not why he came. He came to save the world. He says it right there, but to save it. Save it from itself. Save us from ourselves. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. Here's what he says next. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus, in other words, says what's coming out of his mouth and what's coming out of him is not just his own ideas coming out of his own head. He's saying, I am in such an intimate relationship with God that I hear what he says and I say what he says to say. And I respond to what I hear, the whisper of God. That's why we're gonna spend an entire series this next year learning what the sound of God's voice is like. We're gonna learn how to hear his whisper. What does it look like to step forward with Jesus? It's easy. Put it up on the screen, it's in your notes. To step forward with Jesus, you just need to be able to see what he's doing, even though he's invisible, and you need to be able to hear what he's saying, even though he's inaudible. And then you just go. Let's pray and we'll go home. Say, that's why it's so tough to follow God. I can't, I can't hear him and I can't see him. He's invisible and he's inaudible. Anybody else ever feel that tension, feel that frustration? It's like, pastor, come on, where's the real world? I'm working nine to five, eight to 10, whatever it is. I don't see him, I don't hear him. Let's try to figure that out together because I think that this is the key to stepping forward with Jesus and to living in step with God's Holy Spirit. Most of us, if we're honest, at least I do, maybe, maybe you can relate to this, I want a religion that has a very nice systematic pattern and formula. Perhaps even, you know, you, you come from that background where it's all magic and you want to be able to say, this is the answer, this nice, neat, nice, neat tidy box that tells me that I'm a follower of God. What a lot of us want is some sort of data, some sort of doctrine, some sort of confession that guarantees that we're in with God. But that's not what Jesus said, unfortunately. I wish I could tell you that that's what he said, but that's not what he said. Because stepping forward with Jesus is about intimacy, not 
information. It's about getting so close to God that you can actually see what he's doing in everyday life, and then you do that. You act in response to that. It's actually listening to the point where you hear what he's saying, and then you say what he's saying. Because the spirit of Jesus lives in us. Christ, his spirit lives in us and wants to actually live through us. And it's about intimacy, not information. Now, if that weren't elusive enough, Jesus keeps on going. When you pull different texts out, in fact, the one we're gonna look at next week, I cannot wait to share with you what God's got on my heart for next week for us. Luke chapter 14 just a quick preview. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Again, we're going to unpack all of that next week. We're going to talk about what it's like to come to Jesus on his terms, not on our terms. If you cling, over in Matthew 10, if you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it, again, a very high calling from Jesus. Over in Mark 10, he said it this way, go sell everything you have. He's talking to this rich guy. He said, give it to the poor. You're going to have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And it's as if Jesus knew that we would spend the entirety of our lives negotiating with him if we didn't get it clear and if we didn't get it right at the beginning. So we end up choosing works. And many of you have come from backgrounds where going to church and listing of things of things you do and a list of things you don't do was how you knew you were in connection with God, how you were stepping forward. You choose good works. You choose being a good person or those good deeds to define what it's like to step forward with Jesus. And frankly, nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is that as a follower of Jesus, that should inspire you to be more loving, to be more compassionate, to be more caring. You should have a tangible change in the way that you think about yourself and the way you think about others and the world and in the way that you care for the poor, the way that you care for the needy. But those are not the things that make you a follower of Jesus. It's when you realize that the language that Jesus gave us was actually meant to be taken literally. The language that Jesus used just in those texts we just looked at, took a real brief look at, and we're gonna unpack it much more next week. That language was, was meant to be taken literally. I put it in your notes. You have to give up all of yourself and give yourself completely to the God who gave all of himself for you. It's a high calling. And this is a long journey, so don't feel like you've got to sprint today and get to the end. We're going to step forward one step at a time as we learn to submit ourselves, as we learn, as God speaks to us, we begin to see with new eyes, we begin to hear with different ears, we begin to speak with a different voice. Because we're so close to Jesus and we're so in tune with God's spirit that we're seeing what he's up to that we're hearing what he's saying, and then we act and respond to that. See, Jesus says that when you're transformed, when you're, we're gonna use a term today that maybe you've heard before. Maybe you've even cringed at it because it's been so misused and so taken out of context and so messed up over the decades. Jesus says when you've been born again, you can actually see 
with new eyes. You can actually hear with new ears. You can see the kingdom of God all around you. And you can begin to say, Father, I hear what you're see- I, I see what you're doing, and I'm gonna be about that. And Father, I hear what you're saying, and I'm gonna say that. And you can actually live that close in connection with Christ. But you have to listen. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he uses the metaphor over and over and over again that we're his sheep and he's the shepherd. And you'll see there in that last part of verse four of chapter 10, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And you can read the whole context of that, but he constantly talks about the fact that as we follow him and as we get closer and as we take new steps forward and another step forward and another step forward, that we'll begin to gain in confidence as to what his voice sounds like so that we actually say what Jesus wants us to say in that moment. How many of you could use some growth in this area (laughs) to say what Jesus wants you to say to your kids, to your teacher, to your students, to your friends, to your spouse? That instead of saying what comes out of you naturally, which is, I want me I want mine, that picture of uh, the movie, is it Nemo, where the birds, mine, 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 if I got the right movie, is that right? What are the birds, Uh, gulls, seagulls, yeah. Mine, 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 mine. I guarantee you Jesus will not be saying that. He'll be saying help somebody else, do something for someone else, lay your life down, for someone else. And that's a challenge. It's where the rubber meets the road as a follower of Jesus. So how do you learn to hear the voice of God? How do you learn to see what he's doing? Well, about 450 to 500 years before Jesus came on the scene, one of the prophets, his name was Isaiah, actually writes some stuff prophetically that I'm sure he couldn't fully get a hold of. But today we look back on that now and we see, oh, wait, He's describing the rhythm of Christ's life. He's actually describing Jesus. And I want you to just listen through the set of lenses that says, how did Jesus learn to hear God? How did he learn to see what his heavenly father was up to as we listen to these verses, as we read through them? You typically look at them through one set of lenses and the sacrificial death of our Savior. And that's a great way to look. But I want to invite you to look at them a little bit differently. Listen for the clues as to how Jesus learned to listen and hear and see what his heavenly Father was up to. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Chapter 53 and verse 2. Jesus, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Did you notice all the ways that it described over the course of life Jesus and the experiences that he had? Rejection, suffering, sorrow, betrayal, agony, pain, submission, humility. Doesn't exactly sound like our version of Western Christianity far too often. We want comfort and we want ease, and we want lack of stress, and we want lack of strain, and we don't want experience hardship, and we don't want to experience difficulty, and we don't want to experience all that that describes, but how do you learn to see what God is doing, and how do you learn to hear what God is saying? I would say that it's not in the comfort, in the ease of life. Quite the contrary. I would say it's in the pain and in the sorrow and in the loss and in the difficulty that we at the deepest levels can see what God is up to and we can hear what God is speaking to us. And if we short circuit that in our lives, we will miss taking steps forward, not just today, but throughout the course of life. Isaiah gives us a great picture of the rhythm of Jesus. In chapter 50 and verse four, says the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. I love that. God, I would love to have an instructed tongue. It would keep me out of so much trouble. To know, to know, to know, to know the word that sustains the weary when you are weary, how will you find that sustaining power of God? He wakens me morning by morning. For you, if you're not a morning person, it might be he keeps me up night after night. I don't know how that works for you. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my what? My ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord, had noticed this, has opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. In other words, Jesus says, you wanna know how you keep in step with the Spirit? Every single day you spend time with me asking me to speak to you and then you be quiet. Oh, and how difficult. Am I the only one that has trouble being quiet? I talk too much. Just ask Jesus, he will tell you. But being quiet long enough to hear his voice and to allow him to speak to you and to instruct you so that when you are in need, you can see what he's doing. You can hear what he's saying and you can act in response to that and you can follow him taking new steps forward. 
morning by morning. That was the pattern of Jesus. In fact, let's go to the next verse. You'll see the next verse there. It says, Jesus would how often? Often. When I read that, I read every single day. Would often go to some place where he could be alone and pray. And I just imagine in those moments when he's praying that he hears his heavenly father say, hey, you know what? Today, you're gonna be out teaching and they're gonna get hungry and you're gonna get the opportunity to help your disciples take some steps of faith. Watch out for the fish and the loaves that are coming your way because pay attention, that's gonna be the provision for the day. Or another day he wakes up and he says, you know what, God, what do you have to say to me today? And he says, hey, pay attention because there's gonna be some people coming. In fact, your closest friends, are they're gonna come and they're gonna say, hey, my, your friend, Lazarus, he's sick and he's probably gonna die and you need to come. And I want you to stay where you are, not just for an hour. I actually want you to stay for three days. And I want you to make sure he's good and dead because I've got something planned for Mary and for Martha and for Lazarus and for all those people that are there. I'm gonna display my power through you. But Jesus knew that was coming in the moment, perhaps earlier in the day because he'd spent time and hey, there's gonna be a guy on the side of the pool. And today when you're walking through there and there's all these other people that are sick, I want you actually to walk by them. I want you to find him and I want you to heal him. Because I wanna display something in him that will bring me glory and will show the people what you're doing on their behalf for them. And hey, tonight, you're gonna have your last meal and we've been waiting for this since you left the glory and the splendor of heaven. And tonight, we're gonna have that last meal together with our disciples, and then I'll be there with you, son, through the arrest and the trials and the beatings, and I will not leave you. And sin will separate us for a brief moment but then we will show them your power and your glory after the resurrection. That's what it would look like on a daily basis in my imagination for Jesus. And he would wake up every morning and say, Heavenly Father, what are you gonna say today? What is your activity gonna be that I can get to be a part of today? And for us to step forward with Jesus, we must live in the soul space where God is the most intimate relationship in our life and we're informed by the presence of Jesus in everything that we do. You live a life swimming in God, drenched in his presence. In fact, this is the invitation from Jesus to those disciples and to us today. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I am in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, notice it's not a list of rules and not a formula, not a doctrine, all those, those things are important and they have their place. The relationship is intimate and it is organic. 
the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home or you remain in me, if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. And when you have heard that verse pulled out of context, oh, just pray and ask and it'll be given to you. You've got to see the entire, you've got to see the entire context here. When you are able to say that and that that is true, that will be because you have been so close to God, so intimate with Jesus that you are actually seeing what he's seeing and you're saying what he's saying. And then when you ask, it'll be what he wants you to ask for and he will do it. But we want to kind of do our own thing, don't we? And then say, yep, God, you get involved in what I'm doing. God says, no, 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 no. You live so close to me, so intimate with me that when you ask, It'll be done because we'll be in it together. That's so beautiful. He goes on, he says, this is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes or you produce fruit, when you mature as my disciples. And when you do that, you'll step forward. So again, here's the dilemma though. We try and figure out what the fruit is is or what the fruit are in any given situation. And we try to fabricate it. We try to get it without having to go through the depth of relationship. We look at ourselves and we ask ourselves with a true heart, with an honest heart, am I rooted in relationship to Jesus in such a way that the fruit of God is the natural overflow, the natural outflow of my life? That's what God wants for us. Conclude with a story about one of the insiders of Jesus' day. A guy who had listened to Jesus, a guy who had seen Jesus, a guy who had probably most likely interacted with Jesus at various points along the way. We know him as Nicodemus. He's a guy who was on the inside. He was a part of the Jewish ruling counselor. He was wealthy. He was very religious a very spiritual man who was honestly seeking to understand God. And he must have seen something different in Jesus. He must have seen this guy who teaches differently, who speaks differently, who, re who reacts to people differently, who interacts with this God that he, Nick says that he follows. And so he decides to come to Jesus but he's a little embarrassed about it because he doesn't want to be persecuted. So he does it under the cover of darkness at night. And he comes to Jesus in John chapter three. And there's a long conversation. But he says, Jesus, there's something different about you. Literally, it's as if Nicodemus said, I'm gonna to come to you, Jesus, and I'm going to step forward. I'm gonna have my come to you moment. Help me here. Help me relate and understand to God let me relate to God and understand God like you do because there's something different. In essence, what he's saying is, you see things I don't see. You hear things I don't hear. You follow God differently than I do. In fact, you actually talk to him as like a heavenly father. And us religious, we, we don't do that. I don't, we don't understand that. Help us out with that. So this conversation unfolds. 
Jesus, when, when Nicodemus says, what makes you so different? He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You may have always thought about that just in terms of seeing God's kingdom at the end of time. I'm telling you that when you are born again, you see his kingdom now on this earth in everyday life. And this whole idea of being born again involves repentance. It involves us turning away from our sin. Here's how Jesus puts it in verse six. Humans give life to their children, yet only God's spirit can change you into a child of God. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born from above or born again. Only God's spirit gives new life. This could be your new life day today, right where you're seated. The spirit is like the wind that blows wherever it wants to. You can hear the wind, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. When we experience new birth, it impacts our soul, it impacts our eyes and our ears, everything about us, including our feet. And when we are born again, there is a transformation. It motivates us to step forward with Jesus. It's a total transformation. And the truth is that that completely altered the course of Nicodemus's life. He went from this guy who wasn't sure about Jesus inside of this inner circle, this wealthy Jewish ruling council, as high up as you could get under the Roman Empire. He goes from that to becoming a follower of Jesus to where after the crucifixion, he and a guy named Joseph of Arimathea, we put it in your notes, they actually go to Pilate and they go public with their faith. Nicodemus is one of those two guys who says, I'm not gonna hide behind this anymore. I'm a follower of Jesus, even though he's dead. And they didn't fully understand it. They didn't fully get it. And in the middle of all that, you can read it right there in your notes, they bury Jesus in the tomb and they think it's all over. <laughs> but Sunday was coming. The resurrection happened and Nicodemus's faith was restored. In fact, it was restored so strongly that Fox's Book of Martyrs says that Nicodemus followed Jesus until his death. You can see the quote there. Nicodemus, a benevolent Christian of some distinction, suffered at Rome during the rage of Domitian's persecution in AD 81. Why? Why would Nicodemus die for Jesus, why did James and John, Peter and Andrew, the Apostle Paul and Christians all the way up to today, why do they die for Jesus? Because they've seen the kingdom of heaven now. Because they knew that he died and he was resurrected. So what is your response to Jesus' invitation to look, to listen, and to follow? He's inviting you this year, today, to begin to step forward, to begin to seek him on a daily basis, begin to pray prayers that sound a lot like this. Father, I wanna see what you're doing and I wanna respond to that. So give me ears, give me eyes to see. Lord, I wanna say what you're saying, so would you whisper and give me the ears to hear? 
Give me new ways of relating to you, intimate, organic. I wanna remain in you and I will follow you. Our tendency is to say, hey, I'll look, I'll listen, and I'll lead. (laughs) And I go back into leading. But Jesus followed his father every day that he was here. And he invites us to follow him. As the worship team comes, I wanna invite you to bow your hearts with me. We're just getting started. But I hope that as you're sitting there today, you can honestly wrestle with the questions. Are you living in the religion of Christianity or are you following Jesus? Are you truly a follower? How is, how is this hitting you today and how are you gonna step forward? Today, this week, I'm gonna invite you to be open and responsive and receptive to what the Spirit wants to say, not just today, but each day. We'll talk more, we'll get more in depth into this, but let's pray and ask God's help and then we're gonna respond with a song. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for sending Jesus to step forward toward us. Thank you for living in us, for empowering us and equipping us. Lord, to live lives that are continually moving forward in you. Some of us, God, are are here today and we're just getting started. If that's you today, I want to invite you to call out to Christ. Say, Jesus, like Nicodemus, what makes you different? I put my faith in you. I turn from my sin. I'm deciding today with my life to follow you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me a new person. Give me a new heart. Give me a fresh start. I want to see with spiritual eyes. I want to hear with spiritual ears. I want to respond according to the promptings of your Holy Spirit. I want to keep in step with your Spirit. Others of us, God, we're stalled out. And the challenge today is to stand up and it's to get moving again. And Lord, there are many who are here today that are stride for stride in step with you already, no matter where we find ourselves. Help me to look for Jesus. Lord, I want to see what you're doing. Help me to listen to Jesus. Lord, I want to hear what you're saying and help me to follow Jesus. Lord, I want to live and I want to remain in you. I want to see you. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to do what you want me to do as it relates to my friendships, to my marriage, on my campus, in my classroom, at my workplace, as I teach my kids, with my finances, in every area of my life. I need to begin by purposing to set aside time daily to reorient myself to keeping in step with you. Thank you for sending the power of your Holy Spirit to grant me the capacity to do that. Now, Lord, as we respond, you know where every person is here today. So thank you for being able to meet us, every single one, where we find ourselves, follower or not, skeptic or not, distant or not, wherever we find ourselves, would you help us today to sense what the next thing we should do in response to what we've heard? the next prayer we should pray, the next conversation we should have, the next way we should respond. God, that's what we want to do. 
Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.